0: Well, are y'all ready for Christmas? Yeah. yeah, more so some of us than others. I know I am. I, I, I love this Christmas season. Uh, I, I love Christmas. I, I love the lights. I love the eggnog. How many of y'all like eggnog? It's a, it's a hit or miss thing. <laughs> Looks like mostly miss, okay. <laughs> In my mind, it's a hit or miss thing. Uh, I love it all. I'm here for it all. Uh, I mean, I mean, what Christian, what, what what Christmas traditions do you guys have that you um, look forward to every year? Can you think of one that you've, you you look forward to every year? Growing up, uh, growing up, my my family um, would always do. Uh, we'd always unwrap one present the night before Christmas. How many of y'all open one present the night before Christmas? All right, keep your hands up. Now, how many of y'all? of those with the one present, was it pajamas? <laughs> okay, yeah, the right way to do it, <laughs> the right way. And I joke about that because a couple of years ago, uh, I, I got in trouble dogging my parents uh, <laughs> for making us wear pajamas. Uh, but now that we have kids and we see the, the beauty of it, I love seeing kids in Christmas pajamas, it's just, it, it's just right. Uh, <laughs> I don't personally like to wear pajamas, but kids in pajamas, it just, it looks, it looks, it looks fun. Um, but for us, we have some traditions that we do. Uh, one that we love to do is we love to watch Elf, you know, the, the greatest Christmas story ever. <laughs> um, and we, we, we eat hot Coke, eat, we eat popcorn and drink hot cocoa. Uh, and it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful night. Um, you know, in the time leading up to Christmas, uh, sometimes we, we, we've gone caroling. Um, You know, we hang out with our friends from the Feast in the East, we like to drive around and see all the Christmas lights and put some Christmas music on, and we just get all these like warm fuzzies. Ah, the Christmas spirit and peanut butter just fills the cracks in the soul, right? (laughs) Thank you, peanut butter and, and Christmas spirit. I mean, it makes you want to like run with George Bailey and, in The Wonderful Life and say, Merry Christmas! It's beautiful! Isn't life wonderful? It makes you want, want to sing, Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Isn't it just beautiful, this time of year? <laughs> Everyone's like... <"Ugh." laughs> because you know it's not true (laughs) none of that's true (laughs) it wasn't a silent night by the way we will not sing that song it wasn't a silent night the the christmas story isn't serene and happy i mean god's brilliant plan to save and to redeem his people to redeem his people was just about to come to fruition and when he does come in what does he hear we don't want you we're good. We're full. Go away. In light of that, I want us to re-listen to the Christmas story again. And so if you have Bibles, we're looking at Luke 2, 1 through 12. Uh, we're going to be looking at uh, this passage here that you've heard a million times now. If you don't, if you don't have a Bible, of have Bibles at the back, but uh, please stand as we read Luke 2, verses 1 through 12, and is Ray here? She's sick. Okay, you may have texted me this. I was busy. Okay, I'm going to read Luke 2. It's okay, it's okay. Very professional outfit we have here today. All right. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered, this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria and all went to be registered each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary his betrothed who was with child. And while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger. who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Let's pray. Oh, Father, may you uh, rekindle a a, a fresh view of this passage that we've heard probably uh, a hundred times uh, may you um, help us to push out all of the other things that may be pressing upon us, things that need to be done later today, things that may be done tomorrow. Lord, help us to hone in and focus in on your word. May we redeem the time that we have here this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this text is, is, can be summarized in three sections. Uh, it, it's the rejection, the rejects, and the rain. Uh, So the rejection, the rejects, and the rain. And so for the rejection, the sermon is titled "Can't Sit Here," which is a throwback uh, to an older movie called Forrest Gump. You remember this movie? Uh, Do you remember the scene where young Forrest walks onto the bus, and as he, he, you can tell he's he's clearly nervous and he's anxious about being accepted, and he's walking down the aisle of the bus, and kids who may have an open seat sit over a little bit to cover that seat. We all know that fear, right? <laughs> you're walking down the hall and then the kids say seats taken. <laughs> In their very southern Alabama <laughs> draw taken. <laughs> Can't sit here. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just like, "No." <laughs> no. I mean that 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 feeling that every one of us has as we walk down uh, an aisle like that and you're like, "Please don't do that to me." <laughs> Can't sit here. That 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 is just a, an utter f- Feeling of fear that all of us have. And we all know that. That, I mean, that's the feeling that every single one of us as humans are desperately afraid of. I mean, it's the feeling that that drives men and women. It drives us to do all sorts of things. Can't sit here. I mean, that that feeling of rejection is what makes us work so hard so that we can look so competent to our peers, right? So we're going to work twice as hard so that someone will accept me. And that same feeling of, of rejection is what makes some of us work endlessly on our outward appearance so that someone would appear, that we would appear to someone as acceptable. They would appear to someone as beautiful. And so that, that feeling of fear of rejection is, is driven down deep into our bones. Tim Keller, um, who's got this great book on marriage, it's just gold. I, I, if we ever do premarital counseling, we will walk through that book. And he says, to be loved... But not known is comforting but superficial. But to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. I'll say that again. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial, which means that it feels nice but it's fake. You're just saying, I love you, you don't really know me. But to be known, for someone to truly know who you really are, and then to reject you and say, I don't want anything to do with you. That is our greatest fear. That someone saw that deep down inside of us and we repulsed them. That that is our greatest fear. And and on, on this Advent Sunday, as the Savior of the universe strolls into his creation, whom he deeply loves, the Savior of the universe comes into his creation, whom he deeply loves, and we say to him, We don't want you. He is rejected he is told can't sit here verse 7 says she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn no room i'm sorry but in all of bethlehem in all of bethlehem there wasn't one room open there wasn't one person who could see a, a struggling family a pregnant mother and said i'll give you my couch There wasn't one person who would have said, yes, you you, you take my bed, I'll sleep outside. There wasn't one person, not one. What did we tell God? What did earth tell God? Earth said, illuminate the nose on the vacancy signs. We don't want you. We have no room for you. We are doing just fine without you, God. I mean, can you imagine the anger that that just kindled inside of him? I think of sometimes when I, I go into referee a fight between my boys, never happens, right? And I go into referee a fight between the boys, and then they start fighting me, and I'm like, "I'm trying to help you." <laughs> or when, when our middle son Matteo ha- has an asthma attack, and I try to get him to slow down, to calm down, to breathe, and it's like World War Three. <laughs> I'm like. I'm trying to keep you alive. And he's like, ah, ah. Quit freaking out. Jesus steps into this world. He says, I'm here to save you. And we said, no thanks. I mean, just the, the, the anger that would have, would have kindled them. Them, the, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're not going to get into that. Single God. <laughs> Jesus steps into this, into the into the world and says we don't have a spare room I mean he he has to be born into one of the dirtiest places right he's laying in a barn but he's in a manger and in a manger is not a cute little bassinet right the manger is the feeding trough for pigs that we've prettied up in our nativity scenes that's where he has to be laid born into a manger not a mansion I mean, a stable, not a palace. A feeding trough, not a bassinet. Poverty, not prestige. I mean, this is just crazy. You, may, you and I make room for is important to us, right? If something's important to us, we make room for it. If I'm busy, I, I, I put things on hold and I make room for that. If my kids say, let's read Harry Potter until late into the night, you can bet we're reading Harry Potter until late into the night. That is important. That time with them is important. And if there's someone you love... Comes to you and says, I'm out of options, I need a place to stay. You're gonna give them your couch because they're important to you, because you love them, you're gonna offer it up to them. But the Lord of the universe gets rejected by the universe. The God who created the elements to build our very houses doesn't even get a spot on the carpet that he created. I mean, it, it's just wrong. It's, it's a deep rejection, and it's wrong to think that the, the Nativity is just this nostalgic, beautiful work of art. It's wrong. <laughs> I mean, he's in a manger, and it's, it's not special, it's sad. And now let's give the people of Bethlehem a little bit of credit, not to beat upon them too much. But there was a worldwide census going on. So people from all over were coming back to to their homes, coming back. If they're from the house of David, they were coming back to Bethlehem. And so friends were probably staying at friends' homes. Uh, But obviously Joseph didn't have a friend in Bethlehem to be able to stay in the home. And so there was no room for a hurting family. But in spite of this rejection, Jesus still comes for the rejects. (laughs) Look, at, look, look who the news is given to first. In verse 8, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And so, so God is rejected by his people, and yet he still comes anyway. And the first people he comes to through an angel is the shepherds. And do you know anything about shepherds? They were kind of a rough group, right? I mean, shepherds were, were frontier men. They were outcasts. I mean, you can picture like a, a, an old Western with some drunk men sitting around a fire. This is shepherds, right? They, they were known as thieves. They were filthy. You didn't want to introduce them to your mama, right? These, these are rough people. I mean, the Mishnah, which is Judaism's written record of oral law it says shepherds are incompetent <laughs> okay straight to the point and then it says goes on no one should ever feel obligated to rescue a shepherd who has fallen in a pit that seems aggressive <laughs> if you're walking alongside you see someone in a pit find out first are they a shepherd if the answer is yes you just keep on walking <laughs> sorry <laughs> you're a shepherd like, I mean, I, I, it makes us rethink that nativity scene very much so, right? You had the, the, you had the, the pig trough, and you had these rough men, You're like, you stay away from the baby. <laughs> right? Jeremiah, who in, writes in the sixth century, back on this time, he says, to buy wool, milk, and a baby goat from a shepherd was forbidden on the assumption that it would be stolen property. Because the shepherds are constantly stealing things and reselling them they were outcasts they were not to be trusted they were rejects now they served the temple by raising sheep but they themselves were not allowed into the temple they could not go into worship even though they're raising the animals that were used for worship and so when the gospel comes in human form the very first people that the angels tell are the rejects in society i mean the good news is for rejects amen i mean it's for the unexpected it's for the overlooked it's for the outcast it's for the people who might steal from you isn't that crazy that's who the gospel is for and god has his own plan doesn't he when I mean, we think god's probably going after those who who, who can i add to my team that to, to make us look really good and god says no who am i going to go redeem who are the people that are, that are outcasted from the society? I'm going to, the rejects, I'm going to bring them back in here. I mean, he comes to Mary from a podunk town in Nazareth, right? He's born in a dirty barn. He's wrapped not in gold, but in just normal swaddling cloths, clothes, cloths. And so the good news comes to really dirt, dirty, rotten people, right? And this is the time of the year that we all get Christmas cards. You guys get some Christmas cards already on your fridge or somewhere? We've gotten some already. Thank you. You guys look beautiful. You have the perfect shot, the perfect smile. Thank you for those cards. But here's what I want next year. I want us all to take really natural Christmas cards, real gritty, (laughs) truthful Christmas cards. I want a Christmas card where the dad's just losing it (laughs) because the kids won't sit right. (laughs) Wouldn't that be a great Christmas card? (laughs) Or where the kids are just like, I don't wanna be here. (laughs) we're all wearing the same clothes. It looks weird. <laughs> I would love that Christmas card. But we won't ever do that, will we? We won't do that because we want to be accepted. We want, we want people to, to look at us and to, to see that we are doing well. We want our Instagram, Instagram feed to look like we're doing well, like we're happy. I mean, does it ever feel like someone's grading you always? Does it ever feel like there's like this, is like like cosmic scorecard that's just has your list of all your what you're doing well and not well on it right there? I mean, we're in a school, right? And so we, we it's not too long ago some of us uh, have have had that scorecard, and you know we've been graded on math and on on English, and we're like, okay, let me make sure I'm doing well. Am I good enough? Am I smart enough? But but spiritually, it feels I think many times like there's this cosmic scorecard. That someone, the judge of the universe, is going wrong, 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 wrong. I mean, that, that feeling right there, that, that, that is deep inside each and every one of us. And there's a guy named Robert Farrar Kaplan who says that grace cannot prevail... Grace cannot prevail until our lifelong certainty that someone is keeping score has run out of steam and collapsed. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome that grace cannot prevail. Grace can't be our default mode of living of, of, in the joy of knowing that we're freely and fully covered and forever forgiven until we get past the notion that someone is keeping score. We have to, we have to tear that apart and we throw that away. What I want you to hear this morning is that if, if you feel shattered, if you feel like you're a shepherd, like you're the social outcast, like you don't measure up, like you won't even be allowed into his presence, if you've ever said, if I go into a church, the church will burn up, that's not true. Look who the gospel comes to. The angels say first, fear not. One, because they always say that they're, they're, they're scary creatures. But he's saying, "Fear not. Stop putting your hope and faith in that, that scorecard, but I have another scorecard for you. Fear not. You, verse 10, fear not, do not fear, the greatest fear that's lurking behind every single door that you've ever ever had, that, that fear of, "Will I be rejected eternally?" The God of the universe can x-ray your heart and your soul and mine, and he knows I do have impure thoughts. He knows I hold grudges. He knows I'm like the shepherd, and he says, Fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. Of great joy. I mean, and this is when we get to see the beautiful rain, the reign of King Jesus and the reign of grace. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David, A Savior who is Christ the Lord or King. The same baby is no longer a baby. Remember that. (laughs) That's why we celebrate this Advent because we we are celebrating what what we commemorating what He did at the first birth, but we're also looking ahead to His his second coming. We're looking forward to when He comes again. When we're celebrating King Jesus' return. And so that same child who who we said we've got nothing for you says, I'll give everything for you. That, that's who this, this, this Savior is. The same child who is like, we said, like the, the kids on the bus, we said, you can't sit here. He says, it's okay. I already have a seat. I already have a seat, and it's in heaven, and it's on a throne. He says, he says I have a seat, and I'm King Jesus. He has a seat, Amen. He has a seat, and it's not on a bus. It's on a throne, and he rules and reigns from that seat. He has a seat, and that's the beauty and mystery of Christmas, that he has a seat, and he's ruling and reigning from heaven, and yet he came as a baby. And in simultaneous moment, even as a baby, he was ruling and reigning. Even before he was a baby, he was ruling and reigning. Charles Spurgeon said this way, the infinite and yet, infant. Oh. Eternal, and yet not born from a woman. Almighty, and yet nursing from a mother. Supporting the universe, and yet needing to be carried in the mother's arms. Heir of all things, and yet a carpenter's despised son. This is the conundrum of Christmas. I mean, but you, this isn't fairy tale stuff, though. It's not fairy tales. In verse 1, this is why this this passage begins this way. It's to remind us that the most important thing is happening right here in verse 1. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus, the one time Caesar is named in the New Testament, that all the world should be registered. And Luke is telling us that here is the most important thing, that Caesar Augustus, whose grandnephew of Julius Caesar, you've heard of him? He's, He's saying this is historically verifiable. And he says, you know, it's, it's the first registration by the one that occurred when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. This isn't idealistic stuff that, that just happens in the sky, like I hope this happens. He's saying this happens at a real point in a real time in history when, when these people were governor, this was the emperor. And they are fulfilling a prophecy that was made about this moment hundreds of years ago. Micah 5, 2 says, But you, O Bethlehem, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth... For me, one who is to be ruler in Israel. And so, get this, Jesus was, was born of Mary who lived in Nazareth. But to, to fulfill this prophecy of getting him to Bethlehem, he had, this, this baby had to get the kings and the rulers of the earth to call a census to bring them to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy. I mean, are you seeing the rain on display? The, the fact that before he was even born, he was ruling. He was was ruling history in such a way to fulfill this prophecy made about him. I mean, so a not yet born, a TBD, a to be determined was determining everything. That not yet was already ruling in kings and emperors. So even when it doesn't feel like it, the king who came when things felt out of control, the King Jesus reigns and rules then, and he's reigning and ruling right now. He is sovereign. He is in control. And do you trust him? Do you trust that type of king? That nothing is out of his purview. He's ruling and reigning right now and he will come back like a thief in the night. And just like Bethlehem, we won't be ready for it. Just like Bethlehem who wasn't anticipating his return, so too it will happen and the earth won't be ready for him, but that's when he's going to come. There will still be no room for him here today, but that's when he's going to come. We may only give him a barn and a pig trough, but that's when he's going to come. And so I ask, are you ready for him this Christmas season? Are you preparing for him? I mean, we make room for so many things in our lives. We make room for an important movie. We'll go at midnight to see that movie. We make room for good conversations late at night. We make room for working out. We make room for vacations. We make room just so we can be alone right some of us (laughs) but are we making room for Jesus is there room for Christ in my busy life is there room for my in my everyday is there room in any of your lives for him let me give you two practical applications to this make room for Jesus in two ways make room in your hearts and in your homes in your hearts what would it look like to make him first What would it look like to give him priority? What would it look like to say, Jesus, you're first in my life? Making room a lot of times means making time. And so make time to be with him, to meditate, to pray, to talk with him, to hear from him. And so make room in your heart, but also make room in your home. King Jesus says in Matthew 25, 40, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And so making room for Jesus at this Christmas means making room for the least of these. I mean, how would that change your compassion and your hospitality? Do you know someone who is like the shepherd, the social outcast who wouldn't even be welcome into a church, it feels like? And we welcome them in into your own home. What what societal or social rejects do you know (laughs) that we would say they need a taste of grace and let's give it to them? Would we make room for that as we're making room for the king? But to actually do any of these things, to apply any of these things right now, to make any changes in our lives, we have to see that the rejected king came for rejects like you and me. Like we have to see that. That's the gospel right there. That, that we, we, we take this, this, this cosmic scorecard and we say, nope, that's not true anymore. That's not true about me anymore. No, one, no one's grading me anymore because what I'm being graded on is this new grade. And it's what Jesus has done for me. That's the gospel that he, he came and he died for your sins and it took away the stain in the report card. So you're no longer graded by what you've done anymore. But also you are now given a new report card. We get to plagiarize off of Jesus. <laughs> we get the, his credit for what he did. We get his credit and when he says, I'm coming for you. I've done it. I've taken care of it. Even though you rejected me, I'm coming for you rejects, <laughs> but I'm not gonna make you rejects. You're gonna be lovely and beautiful now. <laughs> and you're gonna reign with me. you are gonna be more than conquerors. This is the beauty of the gospel this season. I'm bringing you good news of great joy. I mean, that would bring you joy if you believe these things to be true, right? And so if you're not finding joy, do we believe this? If you put your hope and faith in him, in the reign of King Jesus, then you get the reign of grace. And so hear this good, mo- this good news, he has a seat. And he's reigning from that seat. And hear the Christmas message that the rejected king dies for rejects and gives them a seat at his table. Let's pray.